Thanks. Thank you, Hello, Jen. Sir. Hello. Let me take my mask off. Yeah. Welcome. It's strange being here and also not strange. I don't know how that works, but we've, I mean, we've been here before. It's just been a while. I just want y'all to know this. This is an aggressive spotlight. It is. <laughs> I gotta say, top light, not flattering. Um, here we go. You look great. I <laughs> Thank think. you. I really uh, think. Yeah. I do. You're I, tanned, and yeah, it looks good. I agree. I'll just look at these people. They're much better, at least from the nose up. Um, so we're super excited to be here. This is strange, dude. We're here. We're back. We, we have honestly only spent, oh, I don't know, a handful of hours yeah, in person together, together for the last for year the last and a half. Year. We've, we've lived the Zoom life together. Uh -huh. So. And this is strange. I'm not sure. Should I? Am I allowed? Do I say hello? Do I? It's it's true. It's um. You know, we're like encouraging elbows, so maybe we should do that. All right, boom. Elbows. Yeah. Don't touch me again. Okay, I won't. But this, I think that's part of what this Sunday is like for me. Honestly, I've been doing all sorts of things. I think over the last month, where I've been taking steps back towards connecting with people in person and doing things. And I have just thoroughly lost my feel for what on earth it looks like to like socialize and small talk with people. So someone, when um, all of these lovely people who are here in person, somebody came up to me, just like, awesome, I loved it. They were like, hey, can I help greet people? And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. And they were like, okay, cool, what do I do? And I was like, you know, I'm not actually sure <laughs> because we've never done a social distance service with masks. So we're all kind of feeling awkward, I feel like. Where's the button to put people back in the weight room? Is there no, there's no. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't exist You can't here. do that here. We can like press all these people. Wait, we're having technical difficulties. Weight room. But you know, it is actually pretty cool. I was, over, I was on Discord earlier and we, the people were just chatting and I saw some pictures from people watching the service from home. Oh cool, uh, I love it. Oh, the, yeah. a picture okay. of the simulcast here. Uh, there's a yeah. picture, I took a, a picture in the other room and it's just this, I think this really interesting sense of community right now um, where we're, we're still not back to anything like what was before, but we are trying to figure out um, where we're at right now and what yeah. we're trying to walk forward to. And for yeah. us, uh, I think in this church, uh, as, as everything, I think us looking to Jesus as a guide for how do we begin to do this? How do we begin to navigate not just the questions about what choices we make, but how do we navigate uh, social anxiety? How do we navigate uh, the questions around um, I think all of us feel a little more resistance and pull to do anything outside of our homes right now, even if we're not feeling stress about the virus. It's just the inertia and the social energy to get out there. And then realizing how much more tired you are after you come back home. And I think for us being here, it just felt appropriate to say like, we're back in person here. And this is, feels, it feels really meaningful to be back in person in so many different ways. Um, but that we also still have a community of people all around the country, uh, people that are all over the place that are in different ways still wrestling with the questions around reintegration, wrestling with the questions around, like even myself, I've never been somebody that has struggled socializing, never been somebody that struggled, and I find myself having social anxiety. I have forgotten if somebody can tell me, how long do you maintain eye contact when you talk to somebody in person? Let's, let's practice right now. I, I, this is, we, I say this jokingly, no. but I honestly have struggled to feel like, have I held this too long? Do I need to look <laughs> away? Are they, oh, I'm not sure. Um, and so that's kind of kicking off our topic yeah, and conversation yeah, for yeah. today. So you, you posed the question of like the difference between the knee jerk, like um, uh, do, do I feel comfortable, which is an important question to ask, but then um, you were suggesting like most of us, if we wait long enough, 
a second question emerges, mm -hmm. which is a deeper question, and it's what would be most life-giving. So tell us more about like why that distinction is so important. Yeah, I, I think even in, in normal times, even after this, uh, before this last year, I think um, we are all people that are, I think, driven by kind of these initial instincts that are about preservation, these initial instincts about uh, what's most comfortable, what's easiest. I think particularly growing up in America, if there is an ethos that we have uh, generated and internalized, it is trying to figure out what is the easiest, uh, the least inconvenienced um, that we can be in any given moment. However, I think a lot of us as we grow up and, and what maturing is in a lot of ways is sitting with that and then moving past that initial question of like what is the easiest thing to do right now or what's the path of least resistance to ask the question of like what do I really want or what is the thing that's actually going to bring fruit and life to me. And what I have found in my life is hmm. the path of least resistance and the path that leads to fruit and life are often very different things. Uh, yeah, so I yeah. think that's a little bit about what we're trying to dive into. Today. Right, and I like your distinction because it doesn't feel like, uh, I think sometimes, um, especially when I'm in a more socially anxious place, um, I, I don't like parties very much. I'm okay with a lot of people here right now because there's rules. I have a microphone so I get to talk, mm -hmm. so that like makes me feel comfortable. I don't feel freaked out, but like in parties, I don't know, like, like how do I get my word in? I, my, my voice is not loud enough and uh, I just feel uncomfortable. So. One thing that uh, I hear you saying that is helpful in this distinction is you're not telling me when I feel uncomfortable in a party just to like, you know, like, well, pluck up and do it. You're saying like, oh no, there maybe even if I feel uncomfortable, if I wait long enough, it's not like I'll, I'll, you know, become a, become a more mature person to just do it already. You're telling me there's like a deeper desire that I might not be able to hear initially and if I listen longer, I can find that. Is that am I tracking correctly? Absolutely. I think the, the wrong way to think about all this is like a sense of um, we, you, you just need to like push through. Like whatever okay. feelings, you know, you just got to push through. I think it's not so much about pushing through and then meeting the expectations of other people. I think that's a big thing that's happening right now is that other, other people are shifting their expectations of you. There's now a sense of like, I'll invite you to come get coffee with me. And previously my expectation is, well, of course you're not gonna get coffee with me because the virus is here. And now people are like, well, come on, why won't you just come get coffee with mm. me? This is not a matter of just pushing through discomfort. We're not asking everybody or even encouraging everybody, and nor do I think Jesus would consider it wise for everybody to operate like they were an extrovert. Yeah. Well, I think what the question is in this moment, mm. as we live in this space where there's so much opportunity for anxiety, is to get a practice of stopping and pausing and asking the second question, or yeah. letting the second question come to us, which is not like, do I want to get up and do I want to go get coffee with this person, but asking, is getting coffee with this person actually something that is going to be good or wise for me to do? And there's, especially right now, there's a lot of questions around that of health and safety, but also, like, is this something that actually has potential for me to step into a fuller person yep. picture of life rather than just say, it's probably easier for me to stay home and watch Lupin? Okay, so, well, Lupin is a really good show, so that actually would be a good choice, but um, <laughs> that would be a life-giving choice. Uh, but how, so, how does this look? You're saying, like, th this, is, this is something that, is, that uh, we can bring a relationship with God into, and it be can, can become something that really is fruitful for us. How does, how does this look in real life? You know, so, I, I'm brought back to, like, a long time ago. I was uh, leading a small group full of high school guys, 
and uh, like reading the Bible was not really part of anybody's life. Like there was no familiarity with any of this. And so we're, we're diving into some Bible stories and we came across um, the story of the, the pastor, the, the shepherd who brings uh, the sheep into the pasture. And I will, I'll always remember, uh, we were talking a little bit about what does that mean in terms of like, if God is the shepherd, he wants to bring us into pasture. He wants to care for us. He wants to offer us uh, the, the sustenance, safety, care, protection. And this one boy, uh, 16-year-old boy, asked the most important question uh, at that point of his life was, does the pasture or God also give me guidance? And I was like, yes. And he's like, because I have a situation with a girl that I need to know what to do. And I think about that today because I do think there's a sense of waiting for God to show up uh, and actually help us move past our defaults. Um, I think, and so for me, I'll have one example that happened before the pandemic, which was... Uh, I had been committed to a, a small group, this is several years back, which is a group of people that were gathering on a weeknight. I think it maybe was a Bible study where we were getting together to do that. But at the same time, my life was getting super busy and I felt really stressed about what was going on with me. Um, but I had this narrative, my, my, the path of least resistance for me there was just keep going to this group. Uh, I knew that people would be disappointed in me. I'd, it actually took more effort to communicate to them, mm. at least rather than ghost the group, just to say, hey guys, actually, I, would, I actually think I need to take a break from this. Mm. But I remember sitting there after coming back from the group, which is a different, I often before going to something will sit there and go, do I really want to go to this? But it was a different experience. I had just come home from the group and felt, I felt really drained. I felt like I knew what I had the next day and I didn't have space for it. And I remember sitting there and having this, this sense of almost peace hit me. And this almost like a, a, a whispering, I guess, I, the best way I could say it. Almost like, it's almost like the same as my conscience talking to me or something in my head, um, but just kinder than what I usually used to say to myself. And it was kind of like, I don't, I don't, I think maybe you just need to stop going to this group and you just need to tell them that you need to stop going to this. Um, and that's okay. And even though you're letting people down, and even though there might be people that are disappointed, that's actually going to be best for you right now. Mm. And so I felt the sense of like, okay, it's gonna be more work to actually make this choice not to do something. And yet I felt a prompting to do that. And, yeah. that, and the result of it was really life-giving. And there were people that were disappointed, probably most profoundly, you know, my own consciousness that likes to believe I'm like a reliable person that people can depend on. I had to kind of die to myself there and say, maybe actually me being healthy is more important than me uh, making sure that I never disappoint people. And it's interesting that even in that story of there was a life-giving path that was saying no to a commitment, but it, but you, you did have to commit in a different way. Like you had to commit in a different way to like, you said you didn't want to ghost the group, right? Mm -hmm. Like a, their sense was like, you wanted to you wanted to own this you wanted to say this out loud and that i don't know that 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 kind of speaks to me about it's holding that tension between this was not the most comfortable thing this was not the path of least resistance by any means and yet at the same time it was it was getting you in touch with something that will bring more peace and more life like what is the most life-giving thing that question again mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know what i'm sitting in right now is i feel like this last year I was like forced, almost like a base survival experience of like, 
if this is not helping me, I'm just not doing it. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I have kids at home that aren't in school, aren't anywhere. I'm trying to figure out how to also work from home. You know, my wife is trying to figure out how her work is, is, is operating in the midst of a pandemic, like just crisis mode all the time. Yeah. And so I actually had to build in a lot of practices these last year that were like, is this life giving to me? Yes or no? The answer is no, I'm just not gonna do it because yeah. I don't have bandwidth. But as my bandwidth is coming back a little bit more now, I'm realizing that I, I wanna keep that question with me. And I actually think that it's uh, gonna, uh, my fear for myself, my fear in general, is that I kind of, because I'm no longer totally surviving all the time, I stop asking that question and I start moving back towards the default. I start moving back towards this is what I really should do, which is really the antithesis of everything I've ever experienced God lead me into in life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, we had Jen drop in the chat uh, some great questions about, um, we're just curious to hear uh, what are the examples of, kind of like Kyle is talking about, that you've experienced, or maybe what are the examples of spaces where you, you did feel like you, you weren't able to figure out what to do in a situation, and it would have been wonderful to feel like there was guidance for you, and you weren't able to access that. We're, we're curious, like, what are those instances for you? Uh, again, just a, that cool reminder, you folks in the room can participate in that if you pull out your phone and go to Discord, or you can do that if you're online. Um, just what, what this makes me think about, of like, what are you driving us toward in terms of um, how this can be a different experience, asking that question uh, on your own versus asking that question if you feel like there is a God with guidance uh, there for you, the, the good shepherd, like, mm -hmm. your, like your, your high school friend who had, had some trouble with a girl. And uh, the... Uh, to be fair, I found out the trouble was that there was two girls. Oh my, oh, well, he really needed guidance, so. I see. Okay. Uh, well, hopefully he found it in the pasture. Um, so the, uh, the thing I think about is like, you know, there, there are a few like, I don't know, really deep convictions that we started the church on um, eight years ago. And I think one of them is that any person can hear from God. Yeah. And um, that, that's, not a, that's not a thing for the elite. It's not a thing for super special people. It's not a thing for people who have been doing this, you know, a certain amount of time, and then you and then you get access to that. Obviously, the the deeper we grow in relationship with one another, we can intuit each other even more. And so certainly that's true with God. But anybody can hear from God. And so I'm just curious, like, maybe you can map this out for those of us who are coming into that world from a few different places. Maybe some of us have tried to be building relationship with God for many years. Some of us are very new to that idea. Or some of us are like, we've been spiritual, but the idea that there might be like a, a personal God on the other end who really like has love toward us, personal love, who wants to guide us in our particular situations. Help, help us see like, what does it look like for each of us to, to hear God's voice more in the way that you're describing? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm a, I would say like I have a, a clear one-off answer, but I think uh, you know, is when I think about what does it mean to listen to God's voice, I think it's often the, the practice of, of getting good at asking that question of what is really life-giving and good to me. What, what is the thing that's actually going to lead me towards abundance? And sometimes that's a great challenge and sometimes that's not. And getting, to me, the practice has been 
the, the voice that is the kindest and caring and the one that has validated itself most often for what that choice is. And so, I, you know, I think the question is asking, well, how do you know that that's God or not God? I think sometimes for me, if it is, uh, if the fruit of what is happening is something that is leading you towards life and good, then it is God. And, and the reason that is God, because I believe God's desire, his ultimate heart for everybody is that they have life that is full, deep, connected, meaningful, very much not equaling easy, full, uh, without suffering, without challenge. That is not what God is offering, but he's offering a life of connection and fullness and depth. And so if we're listening to that voice that is leading us towards that, then I believe it is God. And uh, I also believe that there's a sense you can begin to begin to notice how that voice stands out. And like for me, it really does often just feel like uh, an impression that is sitting with me in my head, one that feels like the, the greatest version of all of the people who care most for me. Um, you know, there's not a single person in my life who cares for me that 100% of the time shows up exactly how I want, but there's an amalgamation of what that person might look like that I feel present at times. Yeah. Um, and then at the question of like, well, maybe that wasn't God. To me, I don't, I don't actually wrestle with that. Hmm. And the reason I don't wrestle with that is because if it was even just myself learning what a life that God longs for me to look like is, and then stepping in that direction, then I do think that is God, whether that was a specific voice whispering in my head or just me getting better at stepping into a life that feels closer to what I think God would long for me to have. If we're, so if we're listening for something that is peace-bringing, life-giving, uh, that encourages us or challenges us when that's necessary, if that's what we're listening for, we risk very little uh, if we just ascribe a bunch of those things to God and just say, you know, I, th I, th I think this is a real sense that this was God. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine situations where like just deciding something was what God said can be risky, but in this case, it's not, right? Like if, if, what, you're, if what you're looking for, what you're making as your marker for that was God is bringing you into life, honestly resonating with those deep desires that if you wait, you can recognize, yeah, you, you risk very little. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, you know, I think about uh, some stuff right now that I'm, I'm wrestling through and like asking some questions about certain relationships in my own life of like, do I just go back to the people that were my friends 18 months ago and <laughs> we just, you know, pick up right where we were? Or is there maybe a chance that right now, 18 months later, that I actually have different people in my life right now that are actually the places that are gonna be best for me to invest? Um, and then, and really asking some of those questions right now for myself. Um, and one thing that was super clear to me that came out really forward was that there was one friendship that this was gonna be the most life-giving friendship outside of my wife in my life. Um, it is a good friend, I, just to not even, I won't be candid at all. So it's, it's my friend Joel who goes to this church. And it was that this is, every time I spend time with him, it is, it's never 100% great, but it is life-giving to me. Um, and so for me to think through, what do I need to prioritize in my life to make sure that I don't go like a month without hanging out with them? And that means, especially with kids, like I don't go out every night. That's not a feasibility. You gotta really like plan your life around that. And so I felt a real confirmation. And on one hand, you're like, oh, so you're telling me you wanna hang out with your best friend, and that's God. But on the other hand, there's a real sense of validation of like, I need to think through the process for my own life of 
what is going to be best for me? And I actually, I believe where God's voice came in there was not just the decision-making process, but was a sense of peace and rest in, ha- in making that decision, which means that I'm going to have to say no to other things if I'm going to make space for that. And it's sometimes the voice of God to me is not just, uh, sometimes it's an obvious decision like that, but actually the voice is the part that gives me peace to say that this is okay if it means that I have to say no to other things hmm. that are going to disappoint people. I, I have a friend who talked to, gave me the picture of red lights, yellow lights, and green lights mm-hmm. often when you're thinking about um, trying to hear God in this way as guiding you, whether we're talking about a social anxiety like, we're, like we have in, in mind today or anything. And um, my friend's suggestion was that uh, God speaks in yellow lights a lot more than red lights or green lights. And I really liked that because I do think that there's a lot of pressure for anybody who is at all interested in spirituality helping to guide their life. Like if I have a God, I, I, I want it to be clear, right? Like God, just show me, don't do this or do do that. And that can feel like a lot of pressure on your prayer life. It can feel a lot of pressure on big decisions. It adds to the, uh, to the experience of anxiety often, not taking it away. Whereas if God is speaking in yellow lights, there's this sense of like, hey, I trust you. I, I kind of like that because it's almost like it makes it feel very relational. It is like, look, Kyle or Vince, like we, we've built something here. If you go this way, I can bless that. If you go this way, I can bless that. This is a yellow light situation. Yeah, I think about uh, my decision to start this church with you was one of those moments where you, you were like, hey, I'm going to start this church. We had this long conversation of like, should we do this together? And we were, well, and then Michelle and I went and spent like two months praying about it. And we got to the very end of like, should we do this church? And I, I felt like I got, both of us got a really clear sense of if we do this church, God is going to bless that. It's, this is going to be great. If we choose not to do this church, we're not going to be disappointing God. So, you know what? I do want to do this church. And what has actually validated that experience over time, and I think this is the difference between a yellow light and a green light. Like, the green light is like, I need to do this church. And so, two years in, it's going terribly. I'm totally falling apart as a person. And that, like, rocks your faith. It rocks your sense of self. It's, God, you yeah, told me to yeah, do this. Yeah. And it's terrible. But you, So, one of them is, it falls apart. Or the other one is, you just keep pushing forward. Well, God mm. told me to do this church. Everything of evidence in my life is saying, I should stop doing this. And so, you're cynical exactly. and you're exhausted. Yeah. But what the yellow light did is, every, what, two years, we've touched base. And we're like, how's it going? And we're like, I think this is good. Let's keep going. This is great. Like, not like a sense of, it was never a sense like I'm going to step away from this, but it's not because I had a divine, like, you're going to have to do this. It's because I felt like a kind, loving God came to me and said, I think this could be good for you. I think there could be fruit there. And then along the way, I was paying attention to the fruit that it was offering me, the fruit that it was happening in my life. And to me, that, that has felt like God's care for me along the way. Uh, mm-hmm. which is a little different than, I think, just this idea of, like, a booming voice that is de- predetermining what choices I should make that I'm mm-hmm. going to listen to or not. Mm-hmm. I have one more question that comes to mind for me, and uh, if you, if anybody has any questions along the lines of what we're talking about, again, you can throw that in the chat, and we would love to let that affect what we're ha- what's happening right here. Uh, but before I ask you for your final thoughts, uh, my, my question was... Um, can you nuance this process of looking to God for guidance in terms of social anxiety, uh, nuance it for different, like, different mental health situations? Because I feel like for some of us, social anxiety is more than mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. 
oh, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable, like there's, there's something more going on. For others of us, it, it, the, the advice might be different. So I'm just wondering if you can break that down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, again, to say I don't, I'm figuring this out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I have found God to be incredibly kind with me in this process. Mm. Um, and so based off of the kindness I've experienced and using my best effort to empathize where other people are coming from, I think that the truth is asking the question, what is good for me, is not just a matter of you should try harder. What is good for me? We are exhausted. I don't know who else here feels exhausted like 80% of the time. I do, like 80 to 98% of the time, I feel it. Like, so. wow. And so to this idea that like, you know what, you're, you don't have the best life because you haven't asked the mm. right questions mm. is not true. It's not that. And so for me, the, here's the thing is a God that is not just offering us um, a life and trying to guide us into the choices that are going to be most life-giving, but a God that's going to be patient and kind with us as we ask those questions I think that, that's the piece that we want to look for. And I think the primary challenge, I think, for me in, in to, like, for example, you know what would be good life-giving for me is to, to work out more. Do you know why I don't work out more? Because I'm exhausted all the time. Do you know what would help me feel not exhausted all the time? If I worked <laughs> out more. <laughs> so th- for me, this process of asking what is good for me, both, it has has care in it. And so... Yeah. It really does have care in it. So if you're somebody that their socializing pre-pandemic brought lots of anxiety and stress to you, I think God would want to be really kind to you right now. And there's probably places where God is saying, you know, you do need relationships in your life. You do need to not just ask, is this going to be easy? Is this going to be fruitful? You know, I work with students all the time, and I was talking to some sixth graders who's, who have not been in person with somebody since they're in fifth grade, and they're now about to go into seventh grade and not having, like, they're in their second year of middle school and never had been in the building. And, like, the, the push-through of saying, I'm still going to make the choice to try to make friends right now because I need people in my life is I think a life-giving and full thing. However, we also need to be aware that that is an incredibly difficult ask. Yeah. And we need to be really kind to ourselves when we, when we fail to live up to what we think might be best for us. And I think that that's the piece in this is, uh, I think some of us, what God might be telling us to do is to step back a little bit. Like don't take every invite you have right now in your life. I think some people, God might be calling us to step forward, that you do need to step out to become a healthier person. You need to push past the anxiety of it because it may be not that experience, but the 10th experience of that is going to develop something richer for you. But along the whole way, what we need to understand is that we have a God that is not standing in front of us as our boss, mandating to us how many friendships we need to have, how many church groups we need to be a part of, mm. how many things we need to do. We are and all- And what's true for this person over here has to be true for you too. This is the yeah. job requirement. Yeah. Yeah. You're all this, you know, you guys, it is a God who is, who is 
deeply invested in us. Like we often use the analogy of a doctor mm -hmm. who sees that each of us have our own pre-existing conditions, right. each of us have our own uh, specific genetics, each of us are in different places in our life that is trying to figure out for us, how do you manage the, the, the thing for you that is most preventing full and, and rich life? Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, that's not a, a pure answer, but I do think that it's the kindness in it because the shame and disappointment of not working out is, 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 is also destructive to me as much as not working out is destructive yep. to me. Yep. And a God who is kind is, is both trying to address my heart in this experience as much as actually prompt me towards the things that will be full of life. I love that. I mean, it, it seems so important that we put... Um, God being kind in front of God being someone who provides God guidance. Because if we're just looking for like the right thing or the wrong thing to avoid, there, there's no guarantee how that comes to me. That could come to me like I'm, you know, like really hard lessons have taught me what the right or the wrong things before. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily happened in kind ways. The gift that you're suggesting, if we don't try to do this alone or try to answer that what would be most life-giving question on our own, the gift of doing that with God is that we have a kind guide with us. The last thing I'll say yeah. is a kind God does not mean uh, that I don't do hard things. Yeah. So one of the most profound things that a kind God has done for me in the last five years is ask me to look more deeply into what it means that I navigate the world as a white, cisgender, straight man. Yeah. Because my life is fuller for understanding where I exist in this society. My life is fuller for understanding the role of privilege, for being able to understand and really see the honor and dignity that is often overlooked in our society. That has been a really painful process. It's been a painful process to have people in my life where I say, I want you to hold me accountable if I say or do something that misses my bias. Mm. And then they call me out and they said, you know when you said that thing in the meeting and you interrupted that uh, female coworker of yours, I, I, I think that you've, she felt really shut down. And for me to say, I think that this is part of what I've been told and learned as a white man that my voice is always the most important in the room. That's not an easy thing. Fuller there is actually embarrassing. It was painful and hard. That is very much not the path of least resistance. Yeah. However, the God that is kind to me does not want me to live in the small world that I lived in that privilege unanalyzed was keeping me in. Mm. Fuller is, I mean, like even just us using that word and that, and that word we're sort of borrowing from like uh, language from uh, John's gospel where Jesus actually uses this term that when we, we translate it to English is life to the full, fullness of life. And I, I mean, this is defining that word is, is really important because it is much broader than, obviously it's not easy and comfortable like we've talked about, but this right here, like fullness of life can be a momentary embarrassment for you because of what it, what it does to the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the way it expands you as an individual who lives in a world that is, in, that is interacting with other people who are not just like you. Mm -hmm. And we'll probably save this part for another time, but I also believe fullness of life is not in a silo. 
that mm. I actually think that a fullness of life is, is involves our connection with the world around us. Yeah. And so if I feel like I have a really great life and I exist within a, a systems of oppression and injustice mm. and I'm living in a circle or in a it's space. It's not just your fullness. And it's, there's it's people all around people. Yes. me that are being taken advantage of. But I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, that's also not a full life. That is a, that we, I, we, uh, I, you know, when we were created in the beginning, it said when Adam and Eve were created, it was it was not good for man to be alone. And the way that I read that is isn't just as a heads up, is not as a patriarchal male female type a dynamic, but as a reality that humans are actually codependent on our thriving together, mm. and actually it's impossible for us to thrive on our own. That, that's a different talk. We can get into that. That's but for right now, yes. what I would love to just encourage people is to say, like, saying no to something because it's, it's not actually life-giving to you is super important. Yeah. Saying yes to something that feels hard and feels stretching because you think it would be good for you is important. But both of those actually require that we create space to get to that second question. Yeah. Um, yeah. And try, try to create space in a life that is exhausted to do so, where we have grace. And, and so for many of us, maybe before we even get to that question, we need to rest and feel like God is actually feeding us and meeting us. And we're actually not in any place to make a decision. It's like, you know, no good decisions are made at 3 a.m. No good decisions are made at the end of an exhausting pandemic. Uh, yeah. like, you, yes. like you just, you're doing the best you can right now and understanding we've all walked through trauma. We've all walked through exhaustion. And part of a life to the full is receiving from God rest. And I actually think a big part of guidance might be that's a decision for later. Right now, you need to rest. Hmm. Well, I'd, I'd love for you to pray for us, but I want to pull a, um, a scripture from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah that Jen dropped in our chat, which is really a great pull for this morning. Um, this is uh, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. It reads, the Lord will guide you always. God will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Lord, I ask that you would be with us right now in this moment. And I ask that we would uh, feel as if you were a shepherd bringing us into a fertile pasture. That in this space, right now, in this moment, we could feel your peace. We could feel your care. We could feel your empathy over the hard things that we've walked through. We can feel your sympathy and healing in the hurts and traumas that we've walked through. And that we could trust that you will show up and guide us, that we are not left alone We don't pretend that it's like we're going to walk through life with signposts that say, turn right here. But I, I, I ask that actually a, a writing of our expectations of what does it look like to hear from you would actually help us hear from you. Let us hear the kind voice in our head. Let us hear the kind voice in our friends that is you speaking to us. 
Let us hear the revelations in a podcast that is you speaking to us. Let us hear the kindness of rain falling on the roof that is you caring and speaking to us. The God of fullness and life is longing to lead us towards fullness and life and help us see and hear the places you are doing that. And lastly, those of us here who need to rest and heal, I ask that this summer would be a time of healing, a time of rest. We would not feel obligated to make decisions for the long future. We would not feel obligated to make determinations about where we're at right now, but rather we would feel the space to rest and heal. That you would help us see those things, guide us to the moments in our life, the moments in our week, the moments in our day, the opportunities to pursue that. And then that would be alive with your Holy Spirit. Pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen.